Millville, Atlantic City. 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Happy Hour Friday here on the Sports Bash. 97.3 ESPN. Mike Gill, I'm... uh... At Mike Gill Show on Twitter. That's Hunter Brody. He's at Bros81. Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there. Don't forget, get the 97.3 ESPN mobile app powered by First Bank of Sea Isle. Download it to your phone and take the Sports Bash wherever you go. Coming up tonight, Josh in game night. Emery Hunt will join him to talk a little NFL. NFL draft is uh, a little while away, but I'm looking forward to getting into that conversation in the offseason here. Casey Joyner joins us in about a half an hour. One thought on every game in the playoffs. We'll have all the playoff games starting tomorrow at 1230 here on 97.3 ESPN. It's a happy hour Friday with Pete Thompson. The PT is in the house, and he joins us now here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Peter? Michael, how are you, Broads? Happy Friday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are on a Friday, and it is happy hour, and it is a good thing. It is. I mean, look, for the most part, it's a little down because no Eagle playoff game for the first time in three years. Like, normally we're getting ready, we're getting geared up, and uh, does it feel a little somber if you kind of, like, come to terms with Like, I guess because the season went the way it went, you kind of came to terms with a while ago. Right, right. I mean, when you only win four games, uh, you you sort of get the idea that you're a bad team, say, um, by Halloween. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is kind of a shame that, you know, we're getting into this first playoff weekend with all these matchups, and the Eagles are not going to be there. Uh, and yet, at the same time, you know, in fact, I just texted somebody the other day and said something about uh, – yeah, I think I was responding to somebody who hadn't watched Cobra Kai yet. And I said, why not? You know, what are you doing? And I said, it's not like the Eagles are in the playoffs. And the reality is, is you guys and, and myself and anybody that covers the Eagles are going to be more busy than ever because every day it seems there's another nuance that comes out or a coordinator is leaving or a coach won't be coming back or, or any of those things. Yeah, as much as I love the Eagles, of course, we all do. I, I was almost relieved, like, Whew, all right, I'm ready for something new. It was like mental stress following this football team all year long. Physical stress. It was so much, I couldn't take it anymore. I needed a, a deep breath, you know, some fresh air. So it's frustrating that they're not playing football this weekend. But the other side of me, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm almost a little bit uh, not happy about it. But it's nice to not have to be all about this football team for one second. That, that, make- may, be the, that may be the most Philadelphian you've ever sounded. <laughs> Why, thank you. You're welcome. Gil, your thoughts on that, or do you uh, disagree with my statement No, I mean, the fact that you would have been hosting Tampa Bay, I mean... um... Like, if you told me they would have won this bad division, I'd still rather take that over or not, but I'm just saying all around, this season's been miserable. Let me ask both you guys. Would you have rather won this bad division, or now we have the sixth pick? Which one? Go ahead, PT. Playing this weekend, playing tomorrow at home against Tampa... Or, hey, we have the sixth pick. It's hard because uh, you always want to go on the side of the winning and getting in the playoffs and being a playoff team. But 
everybody knows this wasn't a playoff team, and it probably or most likely or almost 99.999% would have been a one and done. And even if you're trying to run the argument of, well, and then you're getting some of these young guys' playoff experience, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't fly. That doesn't carry weight because uh, what playoff experience do you get in getting waxed by Tampa Bay? So, uh, no, I'm, I, I, I would – I'm all for the sixth pick. Take the sixth pick, but make it right. Now, I was listening to Andrew Brandt. He was on with us Monday, and he said the Eagles losing that game, all right, so they moved from the ninth pick to the sixth pick. That is the equivalent of a second-round pick. So, in other words, to go from nine to six, you would have had to give up a second-round pick to move up those three spots. So he said, you're darn right they made the right decision in losing that game. Uh, and, and I find that to be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that say, like, you know, is a pick really worth that much? Well, we've seen how how bad they've been affected, or or when when they've messed up on the picks. And unfortunately, Howie has messed up on a lot of guys or passed over a lot of guys. So there's, you know, uh, yeah, no, I, I was totally okay. I mean, I'm never okay with a team tanking. I'm never okay with a team losing. And yet, as the reality became clear of what they were doing, I absolutely understood it. Now, I'm going to go with the other the other side. I honestly feel I would rather still make the playoffs, even understanding how bad they were, knowing they need positions, and that sixth pick can totally help them out. There's not that much of a difference from going 4-11-1 and 5-11-1 if you're not making the postseason. But going from no postseason to postseason is a significant difference. And if you're telling me a football team in this city gets to play in a playoff game, I'm taking that no matter what. It's It's... It's too much of a leap, you know? Not I mean, making the, the playoffs other, and making the playoffs, it's too much of a leap. The other thing I'm thinking of, too, is organizationally, it's not like uh, you could say that they were getting – the fans would be able to see an, a playoff game. There's not going to be any fans there, right? You know, oh, or, or maybe they'd have a limited number, like of what they're trying to do in Buffalo, but it certainly wouldn't be a full house. Oh, you know, a lot of times – uh, I remember when the Sixers would be bad for so long or the Flyers would be so bad, I always felt bad for those workers that were up there, the people that work for Aramark or the people that work at the concession stands. And, you know, they're missing out on paychecks and tip money and all those things from deep runs at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, you know, there, there's no, there's not workers there if there's no fans there or not as many workers there. So, I mean, organizationally-wise uh, and from a financial standpoint, you know, it probably would cost them more to host a playoff game than for them uh, to sit at home and start strategizing for who that draft pick's going to be. Well, getting the sixth pick, as we mentioned, it, it kind of, uh, you know, it saved them a second-round pick here. And then I guess the next question is, you know, I know it's very early, but they have, in many people's mind. okay, let me ask you, Peter. You're an optimistic mm. guy sometimes. Most of the time. Most yes. of the time. You, you, you are more of the optimistic guy. Do you feel like it's one of those things like, oh, God, there's so many holes so many people feel like, wow, this team's going to be bad again next year. Do you look at it that way? Or do you say, look, they're going to get the offensive line guys back, you know, Link Johnson, Brandon Brooks, you'll probably get uh, you know, Link, uh, Andre Dillard will be playing left tackle or at least Maialata for the full season. You know, That offensive line will be back. If they're healthy, are they as far away as it felt when that season ended on Sunday night? No, and I'm glad you started it with the offensive line because, uh, you know, that to me was the start and the foundation of all their problems. You know, that to me was a big thing uh, with, with, with the multiple offensive lines. They had the inability to have any cohesiveness. That's the one-two punch. You put a leaky offensive line in front of a quarterback, Carson Wentz, who 
didn't have his confidence and for whatever reason had regressed. And that was the two punch, I think, that did them in. You know, uh, yes, they had problems on the defensive end. Yes, uh, you know, uh, it's so funny. I'm sitting here looking through mock drafts and so many people are out there talking about Micah Parsons. And I'm thinking, like, do you know something we don't know? I haven't seen the Eagles take a linebacker since they blew it on Michael Kendricks. Like, uh, what are you talking about? To me, it's either Jamar Chase or uh, Devontae Smith, the guy that won the Heisman the other night. And look, uh, does it instantly fix all your problems? Absolutely not. But it sure as heck makes the fan base feel better if you go out and get a stud, you know, and get it right. Right. They need to find an impact player somewhere. That's one thing. Like, the defense has been solid, Like, but Fletcher Cox is getting older um, they don't have Malcolm Jenkins anymore, and they just don't have an impact player. I like to say a game plan player, where the other team says, all right, we're playing the Eagles this week. We need to find this guy and figure out what to do with him. They don't have that guy on defense at all. I feel like they have to go into this offseason and say, the offensive line is going to come back. Hopefully we can get Carson Wentz back to where he was. We're going to have some more weapons on the offensive side. The line being back should help the weapons out. We've got to focus on fixing the defense in terms of finding younger, more impactful players. Brandon Graham's getting older. Fletcher Cox is getting older. Uh, McLeod has hurt that knee a couple of times. Now, i got to find somebody that the other team has to be afraid of. And remember, they thought they found a guy like that in Darius Slay, and Darius Slay had some decent play. I mean, he was one of the better uh, defenders and, and, and a guy that could line up on the top receiver. But you're right. I mean, you, what you're talking about, Gil, is you're talking about like an Aaron Donald. You're talking about like, you know, a guy that, you know, you game plan for and, and teams fear, you know, and the Eagles haven't had a guy like that on the defensive side of the football in a long, long time. And I mean, that, and that's a guy that you're looking for. You, you sit there and you look through their linebacker core. You know, look, I, I, I said a lot the other day when we talked, and I, I really think that they found something in Alex Singleton, but I don't think that Alex Singleton is an impact player. And with all due respect to, you know, Duke Riley and Sean Bradley and Nate Gary and, you know, TJ Edwards and all these, Rashad Smith, I mean, you know, that they have all these linebackers and not a, not a hill, not a one of them is, is somebody that's going to be an attention grabber. Plus the, the, the secondary and the, the D-backs are where you make your money, right? And as much as I love that the guy shares the name with the kid that used to play in Oakcrest, uh, Craig James is not uh, light my world on fire. You know, did, Nickel Roby Coleman had trouble staying healthy. Darius Slay had some good games, but he was the best of the worst. You know what I mean? Devontae Maddox, you know, needs to get out there and be healthy. Cravon LeBlanc, are you kidding me? Like, Jalen Mills, you know, couldn't really get it right from when they moved him. They had him at safety. They ended up moving him back over to corner. He played the best that he did, and then because everybody got injured, they had to move back to safety again. So you're absolutely right. There's not one hole. There's multiple holes to plug. But, boy, if you got a stud player at six. That sure would make the fan base feel good, and that sure would make an impact. And, and that player, again, doesn't have to be necessarily an offensive player. Just get somebody that is a game changer. Absolutely. When I look at this roster, I don't think it's a simple fix, and I don't think it's as simple as just the offensive line, although that definitely adds value to you know what this team can run offensively for sure. I I just look at next year and – I think that there's two like two ways to look at it. You know, you have the people that think you're doomed for a long period of time, but the, if you look at the NFL and the way that it works, you can turn things around rather quickly. I think this is going to be another season of poor play, but that doesn't mean it will be for 3 years though. I mean, 
being poor one more year and then bounce back 2022, I don't think it's as long as people are saying it will be based off of what they saw this year. I think next year might be poor and it might not be the best watch in the world, but long term for a two, three year window, I don't think it's as a, as much of a disaster as people may seem. Oh, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and look, I, I, the only blessing of playing all those offensive lines and all those different O-line combinations is that, you know, first of all, you're not 100% sure that Jason Kelsey is going to come back, and, and, and you know how much the center position means and how important that is. But, it, you know, and, and also the other question mark on the O-line is, you know, is, is Lane Johnson done? I mean, nobody's really talked about that, but, like, his ankle was never 100%, and he kept trying to game it and go out there until he finally had to shut it down. But, you know, because of the injuries, they had to develop people. And nobody knew who Jack Driscoll was before the season started. No, Certainly nobody ever heard of Brett Toth, right? Jordan Mailata looks like he can actually play. If they can get Matt Pryor, his head screwed on right, and, you know, get guys moving in the right direction, that they could have – a, one of the better offensive lines, thanks to the fact that they had to use so many combinations, and now they found some diamonds in the rough. You know, uh, so I mean that that's an example of things of why things can turn around so quickly. You know, and, and again, uh, a lot of it has to do with who they take in that pick at six, but then a lot of it also has to do uh, what's that? The clash? Will he stay or will he go? Right? You know, I mean that's really the that's the question that we're having right now about this roster is who's going to stay and who's going to go. All right, Peter. Another reason why you might you know, turn things around quickly is I don't know if you saw the schedule for next year, uh, but on the road, you will face the Falcons, a non-playoff team, the Panthers, a non-playoff team, the Vegas Raiders, a non-playoff team, the Denver Broncos, a non-playoff team, the Detroit Lions, a perennial non-playoff team. You also will see Andy Reef's Chiefs, the Chargers, uh, New, uh, New Orleans and Tampa Bay, the 49ers, and, uh, of course, your NFC East foes. So your road schedule next year, there's a lot of teams that are having the same conversation that we're having right now. Yeah, and that's that's what happens when you win four games. You know, you're you're not getting a schedule of a ten and six team or eleven and five team. You're getting the schedule that you earned. You know, uh, now what's interesting is is you know, uh, the, the, let's take the Broncos for example. It's easy right now in January to write off the Broncos as a complete total mess. And oh well, that's a W, right? You know, you can't play the W and L game right now, but no. you can look at, you know, the quality of what those teams were this year. That's right, Mike. So you know, uh, Denver was a mess. Detroit was a mess. You know, uh, the Raiders. John Gruden couldn't keep his mask up above his nose. He kept getting fined. No, I'm kidding. But you no. know, um, that's the trip. By the way, if you're if you're playing that game, I'll say trip, that was going to be my follow-up, PT. That. What's that's the road the, game? That's the one. Oh yeah, I want to go to Vegas. So you, you know, got I'm, Atlanta. I'm right now. You got Atlanta, where you can eat all the Chick Fil A you want. <laughs> Not on Sunday. Oh, in the building. Yeah, how do they do that? No, they don't have. They, no, they don't serve it on Sundays in the building. They serve it for other events in the building, but not on Sunday game days. So oh, interesting. Um, you got Atlanta. Well, that's out. Atlanta's cool. <laughs> I, I mean, I was there for the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Cool little town. I mean, cool town. It's not. I wasn't like, wow, Atlanta. This is great. I got to come. back. Yeah, I don't think it's like a de- like a big destination when you see it on the schedule. It doesn't no. pop the that way. The last time I was in Atlanta, fellas, was for the uh, 93 NLCS, you know, 
we're talking like, what was it? West Chamberlain was coming in as the defensive player at third base, right? You know, Terry Mulholland was pitching at that point. Mitch Williams, you know, yeah. that's the last time I was in Atlanta. Fulton County was still there. All right. Well, it's funny. Uh, I was there for the Super Bowl. It's the only time I've ever been there. And uh, if I ever, uh, well, to be fair, we weren't exactly taking in the nightlife. Our hotel was across the street from the CNN place. That's where the radio row was. Yeah, and I yeah. pretty much went from there back, and that was that was it. So I didn't get a real chance to go around. But uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, I've never been. Well, we could go see Colin Thompson and, you know, have a little uh, – me and Colin and Matt Rule could have a little temple reunion. That would be a nice trip. There I'm you okay go. Charlotte. Then you got you know. Vegas and then Denver. Denver's kind of cool. I love Denver. I absolutely love Denver. And back in the old days when I started my career in Nebraska, we went down and saw it was – John Elway and the Broncos against um, Drew Bledsoe and the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football, and but it was like early in the season, like September or October, and both teams started off four and zero or three and zero or four and zero, and that was the game. It was like the best game of the week, and the Broncos waxed them. I mean, that was as the Broncos were getting ready to wind up for what proved to be a couple Super Bowls, you know, back to back. But uh, yeah, so I've been to Denver a bunch. I mean, I'm I'm totally okay with that. I'm sorry, the the Vegas one is still standing out. Has to. <laughs> Yeah, there's not much you can really top uh, going to Vegas, I guess. I've never been to Vegas. How about that? I haven't either. Ooh. Well, you got to go. I mean, you absolutely have to go. And uh, You know what bothers me, Peter? The Super Bowl this year was in Tampa. Yes. And because of all that's going on, no Super Bowl this year for Sports Bash. Yeah, that's a shame. I'm sorry to hear that because uh, you guys have had a good streak of going, and we've had a good streak of going, even though I got there a little late in Minneapolis. I did get there. I visited Radio Row. I saw where it was. Uh, but that's all right. The tradition will continue, just like a lot of things that COVID have affected. It's just a hiccup. Yeah, it's but Tampa's cliff, the place Michael. to go, man. Tampa's the place to be. Where's the Super Bowl next year? Do you know? Uh, no, but I can look it up. Watch. It'll be Cleveland or something. <laughs> no, they would never hold Detroit. Super Bowl there. Well, I was in Detroit one year. Well, if it's in Detroit, we can go over to Canada and get some higher alcohol percentage alcohol beer. I know you're a big fan of that. <laughs> uh, L.A. next year. Mm, that's going to be a tough one to get out to. All right, real yeah. quick, Peter. The yes, Eagles sir. are bringing back Doug Peterson, but they are losing yeah. Jim Schwartz, Marty Morningwig, Rich Scangarello. Earlier today, right here on the Sports Bash, Sal Palantonio said he would be beyond shocked if Press Taylor is not – the Eagles offensive coordinator. We have a firestorm on Twitter right now. I don't think Eagle fans would be happy by that decision. What say you? Um, yeah, I'm surprised a little bit by that because I mean, I, I thought I'd seen some things about like one of the deals that they have to do is get a true offensive coordinator. And I think that the situation as it was set up this year was one where everything still ultimately flowed through Doug and, uh, and Doug was, it was Doug heavy, you know, and if that was what caused the offense to be stagnant or one of the big reasons that caused it to be stagnant, um, you know, I'd like to see a true offensive coordinator in the room, uh, Jim Schwartz, you know, uh, Look, he didn't have a contract for next year. I mean, he was kind of making some hints, you know. Uh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step back from my day to day role, dude. You're just like, he, he, that's a genius masterstroke by Schwartz, a, a guy, a veteran guy who knows. Uh, well, they might fire me anyway. So how about this? How about I say I'm retiring, and then I get to go out with my head held high, and maybe it gives me a better chance to get a job uh, as we move along. And then the Scangarello and those, those kind of. Uh, departures that that to me says that that's an admission that maybe they did have 
too many cooks in the in the kitchen and there were too many voices in there and they feel they want to sort of streamline that and clean that up. So uh, I'd like to see a true offensive coordinator and I'm real curious to see who the defensive coordinator is going to be. I mean, love him or hate him, uh, Jim Schwartz was pretty darn consistent in his message and the players really liked playing for him. I think you'd have a hard time finding a defensive player that was like, oh, that guy was terrible, you know. So I thought he was uh, very well received by the players. Well, I'm not sure if you heard, but when we had Sal Powell on, he said he would be beyond shocked if Press Taylor was not the offensive coordinator. How would that play out in your eyes? Would you be okay with that? Were you not listening to me? What did you? I, I've word yeah, for word yeah, asked the same exactly, question. That was the. I, I'm shocked. I feel like Pete Thompson is. I feel like Pete Thompson's co-hosting right, with me. Right before I just said that, you said that. The I first, think it was almost as word for word as you could have asked. <laughs> like that was the last thing you just said. He just answered the yeah, question. I'm blown away. That's did you beautiful. not? Okay, so you didn't even listen to me answer the question and didn't listen to his. I answer. did. He went. He talked about just getting an offensive coordinator in here, and then well, I didn't say he answered it well. Well, I that's said. well, that's why I put. I'm like he didn't mention the Press Taylor part of it. He just mentioned getting an OC in here. So I'm like, hey, why don't we get the that, Press that Taylor part of it? it? That that's me telling. Well, and it's funny, bro, it's because I thought you asked the exact same question again because you were pissed off and I didn't fully answer it the way you wanted to. So well, I didn't I get the Press way. Taylor portion out of it but the the fact that no 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 i said sal pal said he would be be the eagles offensive coordinator boom he he would be beyond surprise should we ask him again so pt what do you think yeah can you give us an answer now please because that's what we're waiting for i don't want press taylor to be the eagles offensive okay that's all we were looking for it took two times to get the answer out yeah, See, if right. you it's give a fault. stronger answer, you won't get asked the same right. question twice. Exactly. Let's push this towards him. You are the problem, PT, not me. <laughs> yeah. I do like that he said he felt like he was co-hosting with me again because I was yeah. notorious, Broads, for not listening to Gil. It was just like white noise over there, and then sometimes I'd repeat the question, and boy, the steam would come out of his ears. <laughs> well, I said, you know, you're, it's a lot easier to do this job when you listen to the answer that the person gives you. Well, that's what I did. I, unfortunately, I, your part of it went out of my brain, but his part of it was why I asked the gotcha. question. It's Friday. You know it's happy I mean? hour Friday. You had a couple cocktails already. Sounds like anyway. Peter, Peter your reaction when you saw the Mets landed uh, not only Frank, uh, Lindor, uh, but also uh, Carlos Carrasco. I mean, listen, look out for the Mets, right? Uh, And the Mets fans are excited about it. My first reaction, my very first reaction was, oh, good, that probably increases the Phillies' chances to actually re-sign JT Real Muto. Let's stop there real quick with the Real Muto. Don't we all feel and understand that if you sign Real Muto, you're going to have buyer's remorse for like two or three years of that deal? Well, that's uh, do do we understand that that's for sure going to happen? I mean, look, look the guy's uh, you know the best catcher in baseball, right? And, and no matter thirty-one-year-old catcher, Peter, that's the thing. That's the thing. And there, there's never that's the one opponent you can't beat, Mike Gill. Father time, right? All the catchers out there that have been dominant catchers back through the day, they all have to transition at some point. I remember Craig Biggio, right? You remember uh, Buster Posey, right? You know, I mean, all the guys that. Uh, that have to transition at some point because you literally just can't squat down and catch the way that you used to catch. But, uh, you know, I still think that the upside on what they get and the continuity that they get, especially since, um, you know, uh, the underrated thing was, I thought, his defense. Of course he has a great bat, but I thought what he did defensively, 
uh, made a big difference with the baseball team. So uh, if they can get it back and Bryce, I mean, and also, you know, uh, I'm looking at this headline, what the Mets trade for Lindor means for the Phillies and the balance of the power in the NL East. Well, if you let Real Muto walk, what does that mean for your superstar Bryce Harper, who's already been known to be mercurial and a little bit, uh, you know, um, uh, I don't know what's the word. He, he had immaturity issues early in his career. You, you go out and spit in his face and don't bring back the guy that he's been he was campaigning for the entire season, I think that's bad. But to answer your original question, Gil, uh, the Mets are for real, man. And you knew that they were going to spend a lot of money, but uh, it's not just, just Carrasco. It's the fact that their rotation looks pretty solid right now, too. And, uh, yeah, they look for real. But, of course, it's January and they look for real. Let's see how they look when they actually go out and play the game. I'm not anti-bringing him back. I just It can't be anything close to what he thought he was going to get. But the market is telling you yeah, that's the it's not going to be that way. So. I'm not against bringing him back. It just depends on what the price is. But if you're telling me you can fix your roster in other ways hmm. utilizing that money, I would rather go that route. Yeah, well, I'll see. Uh, I'll see what the contract looks like, but I feel like if it's a five- or six-year deal, for two or three of those years, you're going to be like, uh, this was a bad decision. Depending now, on the AAV at that time. Well, d- sure, but I feel He's like... He's just talking age and production. Yeah, age and production. Look, Jill. He's yeah. the best catcher in baseball, but he's still like a two sixty hitter. With he, but the, if the you play position a season, isn't that strong. I get it, but that's why I can't give him this ridiculous contract. I don't think they will though, because there's a reason why McCann went to the. You know, McCann was the first target on everybody's plate. Mm. Because they could get him cheaper. Boy, if we're going to close with baseball, we're not going to talk about Tommy Lasorda, man. And the time that I, young Peter Thompson, went into his uh, office after the whole media had already gone in, I thought he was going to scream at me and yell at me. And instead, he was like, "Sure, son, come on in. I'll answer your questions." Sitting there in his underwear, Gil, he would always. Uh, <laughs> the minute he got out of a game, he'd be in his skivvies, you know, and he had this gigantic plate of pasta on his desk at the vet, and he was in there holding court, you know. And I kind of poked my head in, and I was like, uh, "Mr. Lasorda, I'm." Really sorry, I was in the Phillies clubhouse first. You went there first. Oh, I can't talk to you. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get Tommy. I said, but I'm from Plymouth Beating. Oh, Plymouth Beating, why did you say so? Come on in. Great story, <laughs> Peter. Florida. Great story. R.I.P. <laughs> well, I, I try. All right, uh, Pete Thompson, happy hour Friday. It's the only station you get the two questions back-to-back that are exactly the same, and he doesn't answer it either time. <laughs> All right. I did answer it. I don't want Press Taylor to be the offensive coordinator. There. Thank I you, Peter. It. You're welcome. Have a good weekend. Uh, he like all guests of fear the boardwalk via the boardwalk Honda Hotline. Can you play back the two questions? For five questions tonight, you'll hear both questions. I want you to hear how I asked it and then how you asked it. I listened to his whole answer. I must have just been out in space when you worded it, but his whole answer, he didn't answer your question. Therefore, well, I. That's not the crazy part. So what are you so baffled about? You're not upset with the way that I handled it? Or what's going on here? How no, you asked the question almost word for word the same way I did. Well, is that showing you that I am progressing? I, I'm i learning is what it is, right? That means I've, I've taken the craft from you and I've applied it to my own uh, right, right, right. my own ways. By the way, Kevin Durso has Flyers Training Camp Day 5 updates right now. Let's talk power play, he says. Get the details at 973ESPN.com. Coming up, one thought on every game. It's Happy Hour Friday.
Hey, everybody, it's Billy Schwime. You don't want to miss the locker room this weekend. Saturday, Scott McCann and I will look back on the bumbling bird season and what's next. Then we will get you pumped up for the Sixers season. One lucky listener will win a Sixers prize package courtesy of Pro Image Sports. Then- All right, 532. Don't forget tomorrow we got all three playoff games for you here on 97.3 ESPN. Sunday we got a triple header for you as well. I'm Mike Gill, at Mike Gill Show on Twitter. He's Hunter Brody, at Broads81. Do you want me to play these questions after and let Casey, or do you want me to let Casey hear them? Yeah, we, we can do it now. He can hear it. I'm, I'm laughing. I mean, I can only imagine what it's going to be. All right, so... <laughs> We just had Pete Thompson on his happy hour Friday. So we're having a little bit of fun, but, you know, we asked him the question. So this was my question that I asked Pete Thompson. But they are losing yeah. Jim Schwartz, Marty Morningwig, Rich Scangarello. Earlier today, right here on the Sports Bash, Sal Palantonio said he would be beyond shocked if Press Taylor is not the Eagles offensive coordinator. We have a firestorm on Twitter right now. I don't think Eagle fans would be happy by that decision. What say you? Uh, That's what I said. Okay. All right. Now, this is what you asked him. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure if you heard, but when we had Sal Powell on, he said he would be beyond shocked if Press Taylor was not the offensive coordinator. How would that play out in your eyes? Would you be okay with that? Well, you're not listening to me? What? (laughs) Right. Well, to those, be fair, those questions were about thirty seconds. No apart. way. So he went on a big answer and didn't even answer the question. So I'm listening to him. I didn't hear Get anything about of Press answer. Taylor, and I'm like, well, how about Press Taylor? He uh, gave us nothing. To okay. be fair, he gave us nothing. Okay. Well, you said I don't know if you heard. And that's where that's that, where it backfires on. Except me. for the fact that Mike Gill just asked that, you that question. That's where it backfires on me. I will uh, totally. <laughs> I am totally aware of that. All right. Let's get one <laughs> thought on every playoff game this weekend. Casey Joyner is in for one thought on every game. It's the wild card round. Casey, how are you, pal? Uh, doing great. Now, would you be okay with Press Taylor being the uh, offensive coordinator? I'm of the old mindset that, like, Bear Bryant, when he was a coach, he, he coached at four different colleges, and, and he, like, he didn't, he, he thought that he shouldn't leave one job until he'd taken care of some business there. He got Maryland a winning season. He won a conference championship with Texas and, uh, or uh, Kentucky. He won a conference championship with Texas A&M. He never took another job until he did something. I look at Press Taylor and saying, you're the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, and you think you get a promotion for what you did this year? I'm like, yeah, I can't. You know, I mean, I just I don't buy it. But then again, you judge that based on their play calling ability, assuming you're going to give him play calling ability. So if you think his play calling ability is good enough, I guess I'd be okay with it. But I think it sends another bad message to your team that hey, you can fail your way upward. All right. Well, uh, we'll see what they end up doing there. That is not guaranteed. That's just something uh, Sal said he would be shocked if uh, he was not. Uh, the higher. We'll uh, see how it ends up going. But let's get Casey's thoughts on Wild Card Weekend. One thought. Every game. Here we go. Let's start it off tomorrow right here on 97.3 ESPN. The early game. Indianapolis and Buffalo. Now, Buffalo can score. Their defense not so good. Indianapolis, good defense. Their offense has been up and down. A little contrast of styles here. Definitely contrast of styles. Buffalo, though, 
Six straight games since the Week 11 bye, they, they won one, and they've outscored the opposition 229 to 110. So their de- their defense is not great, but they're outscoring teams by a two to one margin. I mean, they've done a fantastic job in putting a bunch of yards and such. Indianapolis has scored. Uh, they won four last five, scored 24 points in eight straight games. I think this comes down to turnovers. When Indianapolis has two giveaways on offense, they're two and four this year, two or more giveaways. When they allow one or fewer giveaways this year, they're nine and one. I think they'll have two giveaways, though, and I'm taking Buffalo. All right, uh, you go to that second game here on 97.3 ESPN. It's an NFC West battle, but it's a little interesting. you got Seattle, who's been kind of Jekyll and Hyde defensively this year. Uh, more Jekyll in the first half, Hyde in the second half. They kind of short things up defensively. Their offense kind of got a little off the mark in the second half of the year. You got injury problems with the Rams. So, Seattle at home against L.A. in the NFC West. If I'm for Seattle, early on they got into all those uh, what I call track meets, and they gave up 135 points in the first five games. They gave up 2,003 to 56 yards in the first five games of the year. That's just insane. But they scored 169 points, won all of them. Then they had three or more turnovers in three of the next four games, lost all three of the games they had the turnovers, said, look, we got to stop this. We need to get back to power rushing and, and counterpunch vertical passing. They're doing that now. They posted 110 or more rushing yards. Uh, five times uh, in five of the last seven games. And the Rams, I mean, what they are is great defense and power running, but you got to have some passing. They just don't have that given their quarterback is. So I'm taking Seattle. All right, uh, let's go to the night game. I find this one to be intriguing. I mean, Washington's defense, very good. Tampa, obviously, uh, can move the ball. They can score. Washington can't. Tampa Bay's defense is a little leaky. The game's at Washington. It would be very NFC East for them to pick off an upset here. It would. Hey, what does Arian say? He says this team. If this team had Alex Smith all year, you're not talking about a seven and nine club. You're talking about a much better team. And Arians, I don't think he's not lying when he says it. When he says something, he usually means it. Thing for Tampa Bay is they scored 23 more points in all but two contests this year. They've only had one giveaway since their Week 13 bye that was perfectly timed for them. If they're having problems with that up until then, it seems like that that fixed a lot of the issues. I mean, Washington, they, they've got 14 takeaways in the past seven contests. I mean, they've done a fantastic job. They've got 20 or fewer points in seven straight games. They've allowed 111 points the last seven games. They're doing great. But they haven't scored more than 23 points since week 12. And I can see Tampa Bay I can see Tampa Bay getting to 20 and 24 points, even if Washington plays really well. And I just have trouble seeing Washington's offense getting there. All right, that's your, that, you pick who? Bucks. Bucks, okay. Uh that's your Saturday slate, of course, all three games right here on 97.3 ESPN. One thought every Sunday game, the early one, Baltimore-Tennessee. Now, Tennessee, obviously, they won this game last year. They won big. Uh, they run the ball. Baltimore's a little different um, in terms of the team they were last year. I don't think they're as good defensively. They've been pretty good lately. Uh, Tennessee at home, though. How do you see it? I love this matchup, old Smash Mouth football. thing is, you think of Smash Mouth football, you think low-scoring games, you know, something like that. That's not what this is going to be. I think this could be the highest-scoring game of Wildcard Weekend. Baltimore's on a five-game win streak. They got 27 or more points in each contest, 186 points of that whole span. They've rushed for 230 or more yards in four of the past five games. They're the first team to post 3,000 rushing yards in two straight seasons. I mean, so they're a phenomenal rushing team. But, I mean, Derrick Henry's only the seventh player to win back-to-back rushing titles, and he also is the only player to tally five games of 200 more rushing yards, two more touchdowns. I think there's going to be tons of big play rushing in this contest. I think both these defenses are bad. Here's the key. Baltimore's 2-2 two and two in those track beat games I talk about, where each team scores 24 more points. Tennessee is 7-2. and two. I think Tennessee can actually turn this game into more of a track meet, and they're just better suited for that. Add that to them being at home, I'll take the Titans. All right, uh, and then 
your uh, middle game. It's Chicago, New Orleans. You got a 10-point line here, so it looks like, hey, this is an easy one for New Orleans. But they did play in the regular season, and it was a hard-fought win by the Saints. I think they won that game by two. Uh, Chicago obviously kind of backing their way in here. Yeah, it, it, New Orleans has out, outscored the last two opponents 85-40, to 40, and they could have done even more if they t- hadn't taken the fourth quarter off against Carolina. And, I, it, it, I mean, they, it, it looks like Thomas is going to be healthy, Camaro's going to be healthy, they obviously have Breeze back, and they, they, they've got just a, a ton of talent. And the thing is, the, the Bears take away that Sunday game, the last Sunday game against Green Bay, where they didn't play very well. They had posted 30 more points, 380 more offensive yards in four straight games. I think they'll be able to put up points, and I think they'll be able to turn it into a, a kind of a, a, a track meet game. But Chicago's allowed 27 points in four of the past six games. Their defense just isn't playing well. They're going to be missing Buster Screen. They've got some of the secondary injuries. I just think that they're too banged up to be able to take this one. So I got the Saints. All right, uh, and then your last game. On the Sunday card, it, of course, is the super wild card weekend. It is Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Unfortunate for Cleveland, no coach. They just got back to practice uh, on Friday, so it's been, you know, obviously a tough week for them. And Pittsburgh, they've had their problems. So uh, how do you see this one going down? It's tough because... The Steelers have given up 471 rushing yards in the last three games, so their rush defense is not playing that well. We know how terrible their rushing attack is. They've only tied 100 or more yards once since week six, and I think it was like 105 yards. They're terrible running the ball. Normally, if you put in that situation and say, hey, Cleveland, we know they can run the ball really well, and Pittsburgh can't play run defense very well. Their pass rush is doing so well. This could play into Cleveland's hands. And you're going to be missing why. I think I'm missing eight starters. The head coach isn't going to be there. Pittsburgh, their injury report, they have nobody listed as questionable. The kicker is the only one who's questionable. And he practiced in full on, on, on Thursday. In fact, they have Robert Spillane possibly coming back. They have an opportunity to either play him or not play him. And they also brought him, or bring him back a starting guard potentially. So Pittsburgh's so healthy. Add that to them being at home. And I think last Sunday was an anomaly for that team because they took the game off. I just, Cleveland's got very few chances to win this one. All right, there you go. It's wild card weekend. Now, if there, it's I think you like all the favorites in this game. If there was one upset, which one would it be? I'd go with, uh, with Baltimore be uh, be the upset game. I mean, that's such a toss-up game. I do do my picks for PickWatch.com, and I only gave that Tennessee that one by a confidence level of two, my lowest confidence level of the week, uh, because I just because when you get in those kind of track meets, they're 50-50 propositions, even for the best offenses in NFL history. And Baltimore, again, first team to rush for three straight years, they have big playability, so they could pull that off. That would be one. It wouldn't surprise me if you see go 34-31 and either team could end up at 34. All right, there you go. One thought on every game. Casey will be back on Monday to recap the wild card weekend. And then, of course, uh, we will look ahead to the division round on Friday. And he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Casey, enjoy all the football this weekend. Uh, you too. Appreciate it, Mike. All right. Uh, he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. And, of course, uh, at KC Joiner TFS, thefootballscientist.com. There you go. So uh, he likes all the favorites. Do you like any of the underdogs yourself, or are you going all favorites? I haven't decided yet. There's some that I am intrigued by. I just haven't made my official decision yet. No time like the present. Well, there's actually breaking news in Sixers world. Oh, so, this is according to Shams. Prior to the flight from Denver to Dallas today, the Mavericks learned of a positive coronavirus test for a player and two additional players who are expected to quarantine for seven days due to contact tracing. So, now you have Denver, who they are sp- supposed to play on Saturday, having uh, three positive tests. I would imagine that game is 
in peril. But he does say the three players remained in Denver. So, I mean, I don't... Well, I don't Bobby Marks just tweeted, all you need is eight players healthy and cleared to play. Right, that's my point. Maybe they leave three guys in Denver. They still decide to go to Philadelphia, just keep those guys back. Yeah. And then you'd have Seth Curry out, and I'm sure some of the other contact tracing guys in Bede probably in the mix as well. So, you know, just something to keep your eye out on. Is it? Do you think it's weird that we don't know more yet? Like, as if the game... Like, we knew this last night, right? I would imagine last night, if you told me by 6 o'clock Friday... I feel we would have more information by now, but I get that no one well, really knows what's happening. Here's the with thing: this I mean, Denver. I guess where was Denver most recently? They just played that overtime game last night in Denver, right? That was a game. Oh no, it was in Dallas. Okay, so they left Dallas, and so they had to make a decision: do we go back to Denver or do we head to Philly? Right. So that's where they were kind of like. It wasn't like they nope, were grounded. It wasn't. It was in Denver. Okay, that changes it. Yeah, then was now they're grounded in Denver. They could say, "Hey, we're here. We're going to quarantine here." I, I I mean, I don't know how. Like the NFL seems like, hey, you're playing th- these games no matter what. Right. I wonder if the NBA is doing the same thing, but it's a lot easier to postpone a game against a team and then maybe play it on another night in the NBA than it would be in the NFL. Yeah, it's easier to maneuver around. So, oh, boy, this is uh, wow. That game's tomorrow at three o'clock. So they don't. Ha- you you wonder if they would say, "Nah, pushing it back doesn't do anything." I mean, unless they want to test people to give them more time for testing. I don't think that would work for TV wise, though. Well, at one point, you say to TV, "Sorry, we got to test these guys." Right. No, I'm just saying. I think that I was mentioning this before. I know what you're saying, but I mean, yeah. like, can they find another? I, mean, I don't know. Is there another game at 3 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow? I'm about to look know. up the NBA schedule for tomorrow. But my point is, if they push the game back, they could get the testing and give it more time to get like accurate results so that they don't have to rush the test. Right. You know. So it's on 3 o'clock, and then at 7 o'clock, it's Wizards Heat. So I think that they were going for like a double whammy. Is that so game national tomorrow? It's on NBA TV, it is. So NBA they're doing the TV. Yeah. Chat. It's not like it's on ABC, right, right. you know? It's not right. on ESPN, ABC. I don't know. I don't know if – and look, I'm, what I'm saying might not even help. Like, moving it back to 7, maybe they can get the testing done at 10 o'clock, get the results by you – know, I don't know. You would think by now you figured out a way to get the results pretty quickly. But what? who am I to know? Yeah, so disappointing. You know, the team was rolling, the team was playing well, and now you have all this Well, to be on. expected, by the way, that there was going to be COVID issues. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, we have to accept that. For sure. I wonder, it, will it get to a point where not every team can play 72 games and it goes by a, a win percentage kind of thing? Sort of like what you did with baseball. Will it get to a point where not every team can finish the season? We don't even have a second half of the schedule yet. That's right. So you are correct. Yeah. Like they might have some time built into, hey, we got to finish some of these first half games before we start the second half. Right, so... Or I was thinking if you cancel this game, since you still have the second half to play with, you can just reschedule it then. Sports Pass brought to you by Jenkins. Call Jenkins for heating and air conditioning installation service and maintenance plumbing or drain cleaning service. 609-641-6440 or JenkinsPlumbingHeating.com. All right, when we come back, we got the final five of the week right here on the Sports Bash. This is Kevin Harlan from Westwood One. Join us for the NFL Super Wild Card Saturday Triple Header. First, Phillip Rivers and the Colts visit Josh Allen and the Bills. Then, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks host Aaron Donald and the Rams. 
Finally, Chase Young leads Washington's defense against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If it's the NFL playoffs, it's right here. It's Wild Card Weekend on 97.3 ESPN. Coverage begins at 1230. Okay, sports fans, it's JR from WagerPro.com, and it's here. Wild Card Weekend, and we're going to deliver all three winners on tomorrow's board absolutely free. All right, let's get the Friday Five here to uh, clean up the week and end it on this good note. By the way, coming up, game night, Josh has Emery Hunt at 620. All right, well, we know how you feel about the Washington game. You think they might be able to sneak one out. But how about the other games? We'll start with the Bills, minus six and a half, hosting the Colts. It's a pretty big spread. I know you mentioned that before, but I like Buffalo's offense has been hot, but you got a good Indy defense. I don't know that Indy can keep up with them kind of like Buffalo in this spot. They feel like a good, like last year Buffalo got in, it was a good story. They they, they you know, they weren't really ready. It feels like the team that lost last year then learned from it. Yeah, they, they have a 2017 Eagles vibe to them. Kind wow. Of. You don't think so? Or am I going crazy? No, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they got a nice little squad. I hope they can uh, find a way to keep attacking that, especially offensively. They're a fun watch. Alright, Seattle. Minus three. Rams plus three, although you don't know the golf situation. I like Seattle. Their defense has been much better. I look I look at Seattle right now as maybe my team to make the Super Bowl in the NFC. Wow. I know they've had their ups and downs, but when push comes to shove, Russell Wilson. Wow. Okay. Steelers at home minus six against the Browns. That I, head coaching thing is a big yeah, difference. Yeah, I, I got to go Steelers here. But um, keep in mind, they were pretty miserable down the stretch. They were. Like they bad. Had, but they keep in mind. They had a wonky schedule. They did. You know, where they were playing five games in like a 15-game span, it seemed like. Uh, whatever did it was. Did they even finish with a bye? Did they get that bye at all? I think I don't even think they ended up with a bye because of, or, I don't know. Their season was so weird because was, of the they COVID stuff They played on like a Wednesday. On. Yeah. They got, they had to play on so many different days this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It was a crazy journey for them. But I'm with you. I think the head coaching thing definitely plays a big role. Uh, the Titans. Huge role. Yeah. Plus three, Ravens minus three. It's a short line, which is kind of weird. Like it, it's tell, it's almost telling me something that Titans plus three. Although they're at home, though, so it's kind of a big swing if you look at it that way. I don't feel that the Titans are as defensively. I don't think they're as good this year as they were last. They're year. definitely not. Right, no, they're and, definitely I, not. and I feel like the Titans like aren't as good this year as they were last year. I can agree with you. But that line, I know, like, being a home dog, man, it's almost telling me Titans, though. Maybe I'm the one reading this the wrong way. I'm going to go, I would I would probably lean over here, but I kind of like the Ravens with the points. Ravens? Like, I don't points. think the Titans win this game, like, 45-20. No. No, it's going to be close. You can see that in the spread. This one won't, though. Saints, minus 10. I feel like this is a game that everybody just thinks the Saints are just going to run away with. And the Bears looked so bad last week, but it's like, you know what? 
Maybe the Bears kind of hang in there, and they lose to like 28-20. Okay, so you think the Bears cover? It's 10, right? Yeah, it's 10. I think the Bears cover. All right, there's your five. I'm excited for some playoff football. It's not the same no, without the fans. Yeah. Playoff game on tomorrow. Yep. Three o'clock comes around. You go Sixers. If Yeah, yeah. If they play this game, I'm checking in on the Sixers for sure. I'm going Sixers. Turn the playoffs off? I mean, I know you got nine Right, TVs, right. If we're doing the one TV thing, which is how the, you do the hypothetical. What's got the audio? <laughs> what's got the audio? Uh, the Sixers. Okay. Yeah. Just because I need it for my what I do. I do the sports talk with Broad stuff and all that. Like, I, I need it to, uh, to dissect it. No, I'll probably go... I would probably go Sixers on the laptop. Keep okay. the football. It depends on what the football. I know is if doing. it's a blowout, then I would probably change it. If it's close, if it's seventeen, seventeen, it's a different story. So yeah, context matters here. But hey, don't forget tomorrow, best of the sports best starts at nine. Jeff Nadeau will go over the Saturday card, wild card weekend, busy show. 